welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. And today we are here to discuss episode 9 of season 2, titled Someone Else's Eyes. Today I'm here with special guest Mohamed Tahir, and he is the chairman and creative director of Brave Wave Music. Mohamed, how are you doing today? Mohamed, I mean, you have a rather expansive uh, uh, resume. I mean, you even try to just, you know, try to find... Uh, I'm someone, and I don't know if you ever listened in my first few podcast episodes... I did because I was doing the episodes by myself, so I sort of uh, put music underlying to sort of break up the monotony of like you know just having my voice. And I def I think I did Sonic, Sonic One, uh, yeah, Marvel Hill Zone, and I think I did another one. Anyway, because uh, I I wasn't a hundred percent understanding of what it was. Your your goal with Brave Wave. So it's a it's a video game music label, which means we restorating and remastering old game soundtracks. Uh, we released uh, the soundtrack to uh, Street Fighter Two. Uh, we we recorded the music from the arcade boards, and uh, we had two special engineers working on them and, and just making the music sound as good as it should be. And uh, we actually on our SoundCloud, if you go to SoundCloud.com/slash/BraveWaveMusic. You could listen to uh, comparisons between the the previous releases uh, of Street Fighter Two and our release. Um, so that's something we do, which is old soundtracks. And we also have like just just like any label, we have a roster of musicians. But the musicians that we have are video game composers, and most of them are um, well known. Uh, established old video game composers like we have the composers of Mega Man and Ninja Gaiden and uh, uh, Shovel Knight and uh, a lot of other uh, NES slash Famicom era composers so people who, who grew up with Mega Man and Mario and all of that might know a lot of these uh, composers yeah. and I found you probably as I found most of my guests so far on Twitter I think I had done one of these uh, at night. Sometimes I'll just type in six feet under watching. And if I see someone who's watching, I'll just throw out a tweet like, hey, I do a podcast on the show if you want to uh, listen. And I believe that's how we found each other, right? You kind of had that tweet out there and then I, mess I I tweeted at you through that. Yeah, I, I don't remember what my tweet was, but I mean, I finished watching six feet under exactly uh, one year ago in, in April, April 2016. And mm -hmm. I mean, it is my favorite show of all time. I've watched a lot of shows, but uh, to me, it's like it, it, it occupies a, a, a large portion of my thinking day in and day out. So I think I just tweeted something about it and then you replied to me. And like, if you're on Twitter for a lot of years, you're used to this where sometimes you tweet about something and then you get an unsolicited reply from someone uh, uh, like maybe, maybe promoting a product or something. So I usually just don't think much about that. But six feet under is something that I I'm craving uh -huh. for people and, and and for conversation because I really only have one friend to talk with about the about the show the my friend who recommended the show to me. So when I knew that there is a podcast a new podcast and from a funeral director it just it was such an amazing idea and I just loved it so much and I 
I went in the website. I saw that you already had a few episodes. I think it was something like maybe six or five. I don't remember how much. But even though I finished the show so recently, um, I just thought, well, maybe this is a chance for me to rewatch the show and and just walk with the podcast. So whenever there's a new episode, I will watch the I will, I will watch the, uh, the 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 episode and then listen to the podcast in my way back from work. And um, that that's how I found your uh, podcast. No, no, that's awesome. That's how, and you know, we we had we had shared some messages, and even today, before we start to record again, it's one of it's something that is in my head daily: is how am I going to tackle the finale? Like, how do you even begin to talk about it? And unfortunately, you know, we we do the we do the podcast as this is the first time we're seeing this episode, and you know, it's hard. But uh, just just even we were talking off mic just about the finale and everything, and it's just oh god, this all of it is. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great. It, it, like you said, it, it's nice to, to share and all these complex, crazy characters and just a show, you know. It um, is. And it's a great show. But, but I mean, if, yeah. if, if you're listening to this podcast and like this is a new experience for you and you this is your first time uh, watching it, all I'm going to say is if you stop before the finale, you haven't seen anything. <laughs> and you just have to watch it all the way through. <laughs> You might be thinking, well, it's just one episode. What's going to happen? No, no, no. You have to watch the whole thing because it won't click entirely with you until you see the whole thing. I mean, I do really think that every single episode is really good, is really gripping, has really fantastic writing and uh, characters written in a way that I've, even to this day, I've never seen uh, uh, characters so real and so just really they do feel like real people but even then even though every single episode is great you just have to watch it till the end it's it's so worth it that's all i can say yeah and when i had reached out to you uh, you know like it was early on in the process and i was kind of booking people for for season two you chose this episode in particular and we will get to that reason why later in the episode i know there's a whole Mm -hmm. when i started thinking about it i was thinking that there's a lot of people out there probably like you uh, you know, why for this episode, but we can get there, uh, if we want to get into it, our, our episode aired April 28, 2002. And this episode was actually written by the showrunner, Alan Ball. And simply our, our death capsule starts out where two men are sitting atop a construction building and just sort of complaining about their lives, about their wives and whatnot. You know, he's not getting any sex. The, the cooking's awful. And, <laughs> Just with a, a, the slightest move of his hand, he knocks over his lunchbox. And, you know, just kind of how Six Feet Under does is you think one of these two guys are going to die because they give you, you know, just that little backstory yeah, about them and exactly. whatnot. And here just enters this third guy totally off frame. The lunchbox hits him in our Mr. Dwight Egger Harrison just dies on the spot. I mean, these are one of these this is one of these death capsules, right, Muhammad, where it's just like. You're expecting one of these two, and <laughs> and someone just completely that, off screen dies. Yeah, I think this is one of my favorite things in, in, in these death capsules, and that sometimes you see something happens, and you think, oh, oh, I, I think I know what's gonna happen. Well, yeah, the scene the scene sets you out. You're right. The scene sets you out. There's two guys sitting on top of this construction beam, and they're high up. So right there, you're right. Your mind is one of these two guys are going to fall. And, of course, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and Which is really brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, 
you know, sometimes the death always kind of foreshadows mm-hmm. to something later in the episode or, or it kind of has a running theme. And I definitely think it takes part to something later in the episode that we'll get to. But our episode starts out with, with Brenda and Nate scoping out a venue for their upcoming wedding. Nate seems to be a little timid, you know, about actually falling through with the wedding. And, you know, that's sort of ironic, given what Brenda has been doing the past few episodes. Uh, but this moment here, when, when, when Brenda pleads to Nate that, you know, she sort of does this, you know, all we have is this moment right here, right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the backdrop to it. Right, like with the with the Pacific Ocean in the background, and just the way the sun lined up perfectly between them, uh, I, it was just. I mean, it, it's funny for for a scene that has so much, I don't know, the sadness or or whatever, but it, rather beautiful, you know. Yeah, uh, I I do love it. I like. It's kind of funny to see these uh, usually aggressive characters in such a peaceful location. <laughs> you know, it was really funny too that I picked up on my second watch, and that it is so fitting that their wedding. A place that they're looking at for their wedding is also has a bunch of horse shit around there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's just such symbolism for their relationship. It's just like yeah. you couldn't have this more beautiful place just surrounded by horse shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I love that they do mention this. That Brenda yeah. says that, like, this is a perfect place uh, to, to have our wedding. And, and and then he says, why? Like, do you think our relationship is shitty? And she's, she says, no, I just want my mom <laughs> to, 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 to fall on her face. And it's, like, it's just amazing how, how evil Brenda can be sometimes. I mean, she, she's she's kind of joking, but you know that she really wishes for that to happen. And, and one thing yeah, I really like is when Brenda told to Nate. Uh, I, mean, I mean, usually Brenda is the one that really extremely philosophical and uh i mean nate is also sometimes but brenda is just way too out there so sometimes i mean sometimes she sounds a little bit crazy but sometimes she really nailed things down and i like when she said to nate on the beach uh, that you know the future is just a fucking concept that we use to avoid being alive today and it's just such a beautiful such a simple line just beautiful writing that just makes you think that wow yeah this is what i do actually every day i just keep on thinking what's ahead instead of really you know enjoying whatever i'm doing right now so it's just really good writing that i i I like how early it just strikes right at the start of the episode when she said that line and i i my, my brain just works weird sometimes i'll get hung up on just the weirdest things but when she dropped that line i sat there thinking in my i kept watching the episode but my brain was thinking about just that concept and I had to rewind back because I was like, oh, yep. shit, I wasn't paying attention for the yep. past five minutes just because she had dropped that line, you know? It's really, it's really something that makes you think. It's something profound that makes you think. Yeah, yeah. And it's so simple. It's such an easy line. Yeah. But their conversation here, just sort of the first time we see Brendan and Nate, how honest and open, I mean, honest for the most part, their conversation is. Yeah. And, and we'll get back to it because their last conversation in this episode is just the complete opposite. It's just, you know, lies mm-hmm. after lies, whatnot. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll move to Keith. Keith is having trouble sleeping uh, between Taylor now being with her mother and, and the shooting of the civilian. This episode, it's just, I mean, I think he does it five times where he just sends these weird mixed signals to David. Yeah. And, you know, we see here that Taylor had left her her medicine pills or, or gummy bears or whatever, and, and David tries to head to work and... You know, he just ropes David in and, you know, just sort of, you know, you're my master, you're my, whatever. And they start, well, they don't, we don't see them have sex on screen, but, you know, we see eventually uh, what happens. 
this 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 mixed messages. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to it when, when when we get to the the last mixed message because I think there there's something there in what Keith is doing. This scene sort of leads us to one of our funnier or adorable scenes where <laughs> David shows up with, with this rashy skin all around his <laughs> mouth and it's all red and <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> because you know him and Keith were were making out. It's funny, you know, when he's making arrangements and, you know, he's he's doing this thing where he's talking, but he has the pen in his hand over his mouth. And, you know, D- yeah. David doing his total business, like David's business move is when he's doing these arrangements, which is probably one of the most heartless, heartless things you could do just in terms of, you know, not speaking. Uh, I guess movements is he just sort of pushes the tissues over. If someone, anyone starts to cry, it's just yeah. like, I don't want to deal yeah. with it. Here's tissues. Yeah, yeah, and, and I like how like when when he stepped into the room, uh, and, and you can see that I mean he's he's looking at, at the camera side, and Nate is behind him. Nate still didn't see his face, and when I was looking at David, I immediately thought. Even the first time I watched the episode, I immediately thought, "Holy shit, what did you do, man?" <laughs> <laughs> and I like how when uh, when he uh, says to Nate that uh, you know. Keith kind of wanted to do something, so we did it. I like how just Nate told him, you know, you big whore. It just sounded He's so like, funny. You, you know, it's funny because he goes, oh, man, you whore. Hey, yeah. by the way, do you want to be my best man? Exactly, exactly. And it was just so beautiful. And I like how, like, at the beginning of the show, they, I mean, of course, aside from the tension between them, and, and you can sense that David really doesn't like Nate, uh... Obviously, David wasn't really uh, comfortable with his sexuality, so he never was ready to confront it with anyone. Whereas now, we can just see how comfortable he is around Nate, that he can just say, you know, well, I just had sex before I came here in the morning. <laughs> That's just really nice. Yeah, I mean, if if you go back to, like, season one, Nate and David, it's, you know, David's even embarrassed to even say he went out with a guy. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, yeah, me and Keith were making out. Look at my face. It's all fucked up from <laughs> making yeah. out. And, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and to the point too, where, where again, it's all, it's all in context, right? Cause if, if mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm talking to, to, to someone and I call them a whore, I'm most likely getting my pay, you know, my face punched or, or it's some like assault hate crime, but the way they do it is, is totally lovingly. I mean, how funny is it to say? How funny is it to say Nate calling David a whore is so funny and, and, and sweet. Funny. And you can see that when he said it, he really meant it to be sweet and, and, and kind of teasing because uh, yeah. uh, it's just a really, really very interesting, uh, very beautiful uh, uh, scene just between two brothers who are very open to each other about their relationship. Right. And here we find out that uh, Mr. Garrison uh, from our death capsule had everything picked out from his pre-need contract and everything was mostly paid off but we also find out that his current wife finds out that Mr. Garrison had be chosen to be buried with his ex-wife and uh we'll get into that later when, when that really comes up to a boil um but back to Keith he shows up to Taylor's house to return her vitamins and we see Carla which is you know Taylor's mother Keith's sister is back on drugs again uh, here is where we see Carla offers to go get treatment because Keith is, you know, about to basically have her arrested, you know, by if he chooses to upend the apartment and whatnot. Um, we have Ruth and Robbie talking and 
we, we from the prior episode, you know, we saw that Nikolai uh, is now bedridden because both of his legs are broken and Ruth kind of takes him in to, to care for him. Uh, kind of funny to see, though, that, you know, just just, just kind of how she's talking here with Robbie that, you know, their relationship has reached new levels and, and you know, they, they've never had a deeper relationship. And Robbie just sort of says to her, like, he's bedridden, right? Like, he can't move at all. Uh but even the first scene, it's so funny. You see from Nikolai, and Nikolai's one of those guys too. He's like, I don't know if you caught what he was watching on TV. It was Teletubbies. Ah, and ah, he's just right. laughing, <laughs> and he's just laughing his ass yeah. off. And that's just yeah. like, you know, sweet little Nikolai. <laughs> he's kind of like a big baby sometimes, especially in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, I like how uh, Ruth gave him. I think she gave him two sandwiches and she told him, don't eat them all at once because I have nothing else for you. And there is, I won't be here until later that day. And he ended up just eating both of them and kept crying for, for someone to come and uh, bring him some, something to eat. So that was funny. But, um, one thing I liked a little bit earlier in the episode is when, um, when I think, I think Ruth was in the kitchen and Claire came and then uh, Ruth kind of asked her, like, what do you have? Like, what do you have today? And Claire, she picked up on the fact that her mom probably is going to ask her to care for Nikolai. So she told her, she, she just told her some bullshit excuse. And uh, Ruth then told her, um, you know, I mean, be real. Like, are you free or not? And then Claire just told her, you know, I mean, I know you want me to care for Nikolai and I just don't want to and I don't care about him. And then I like, I like when sometimes Ruth just says, like, things in the most calm voice but you can just get so much wisdom out of it and and she just uh, told claire you have absolutely no idea how easy you have it you are under the mistaken impression that life owes you something you're in for some very harsh surprises and i just love this line so much because it's coming from a like a, a person with so much experience in life and telling it to to a teenager who just doesn't know anything about life and it's just so beautiful and i love i love how claire took that it, it just completely went from one ear to the other she didn't understand anything about that line like to her i just want to get out of that obligation and now that her mom is not angry and she just said something uh, and went on with her day like claire is relieved and i just love that so much i mean their relationship early on is just so funny and bizarre and weird it's just i love it and and it's funny when when you kind of you you put them two together because it's Claire is seventeen or eighteen and she knows nothing, whereas Ruth is however old she is and you know she knows I don't want to say she knows everything but she's just more wise she's had more experience but the two mm-hmm. of them kind of act opposite of that you know Claire thinks she knows the world whereas Ruth is is kind of timid in, in her at this point at this point in the show she's kind of a little bit more yeah confident in herself. But yeah, that's a great line that, you know, more younger people should know that, you know, you're under an impression that the world owes you something or, or you know, you're owed anything. And it's, yeah, it's not like that at all, you know, yeah, it's just, exactly. it's funny to see it through Claire's eyes. Like you said, like, yeah, she she's getting out of trying to help Nikolai. And there's a scene where Nikolai's just calling out for help. And we have, you know, Rico is the one who, who comes up and... Rico shares a sandwich and you know it's something that great that, that Six Feet Under does where they just kind of two yeah. two characters that have never otherwise come together you know and we have uh, Rico and Nikolai here 
the way you know they're just sort of talking and <laughs> Nikolai's like you know all oh, Latina women are so hot blooded and Rico, you know yeah. Rico's Rico has a short fuse to begin with you know and he's just like yeah yeah but when he <laughs> I just love how qu- how quick Rico snaps back at him because you know Nikolai goes ooh what happened to your face buddy totally innocent just a, a big teddy bear asking Rico and <laughs> Rico's like none of your fucking business pal just like a dart <laughs> it not only shows how much he's really not enjoying his time but he's also angry at the fact that Nikolai just took his sandwich like his, his, his second sandwich or second part of the sandwich and it it like I mean he didn't tell Nikolai that oh I don't want to give it to you but he just kept it in his uh, 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 gut that he just needed an excuse to just explode at the man it was just so funny <laughs> I, yeah i just loved that their interaction just even when he's like yeah if, if you don't want to eat it i'll eat it and nikolai's like no no no, no. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's just funny uh billy is at brenda's and it's sort of a catch-up after their dinner party from well rather christmas eve from last episode and we get to finally see and hear what's been going on between them uh, we find out brenda has been trying to get in touch with billy and that and billy has been intentionally pushing her away as it seemed she contributed to his condition. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sort of, I always say on the, on the podcast that I don't know how to take their relationship. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from it. I don't understand the full dynamics of it. Uh, but after this scene, it, it got me thinking, like, why Brenda to be so crushed? You know, at face value, you would just say, why would you want to help this this man who's clearly mentally unstable and everything? You know, Brenda's whole identity has been wrapped up in helping Billy. Like, that's that's been Brenda's motive. You know, that's been her, her go-to, just what she's been doing. And to have that taken away from her. Not only that, on top of it, to for that to be her helping almost uh, uh, was had the opposite effect. Where it actually hurt him. That, that's got to hurt someone like Brenda, who just had all of that wrapped up in helping him, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. And... Uh... I mean, I listen to uh, a lot of this podcast episodes where a lot of people really hate Brenda and Billy and they hate their relationship. And I actually don't feel the same. I, I mean, it's absolutely certainly an unconventional relationship, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I, I mean, I don't hate them just because it fascinates me. It's such a weird, totally different. I mean, even to this day, it's such a totally different and unique relationship between a brother and a sister that is just fascinating to me and the more that you try to look into it the more you kind of understand billy and brenda a little bit more and uh, i think i mean i think what got them to be this close is that we already know by now uh how weird her childhood was and and this whole book charlotte and i mean Usually kids uh, grow up being really clingy to their parents, whereas with Brenda, her parents, even from early on, she knew that they were just subjecting her to a lot of weird shit. So um, instead of being close to them and them being uh, her refuge, she just had this very close relationship with her brother. So it is a weird relationship. And as it like as it progresses through the the seasons, it's something that you really won't see in any other show or movie. But it's really 
fascinating and it just yeah uh, i mean if, if you just tell tell yourself oh, this is ugly and this is awful and I don't want to like them. I don't want to understand them. I don't want to do anything with this relationship. I guess that's fine. But if you really just pay attention to everything that they say and they do, you kind of get a glimpse of what these people really are because they, they're just so different from all of us. They're just different in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, just in any other book or movie or uh, uh, TV show, we do see ourselves in every single character in the show. But Billy and Brenda are the ones that kind of make you think, okay, this is really weird. <laughs> and I'm not really <laughs> getting all of it. But uh, they're all interesting. And and whenever they're in the scene, you can bet that you just can't expect what's going to happen. It's just so weird and so different. Yeah. And it's funny, too, if you, if you compare, like, Brenda has sort of been the contributor and, and someone that Billy's been avoiding, and you kind of compare it to the way Claire was for Billy, you know, cause you know, we find out Claire that's kind of, be, kind of been keeping Billy sane and, and, you know, there was still open communication and whatnot. And here's kind of like what I was saying in the beginning of the episode is, is when I asked you what kind of, which episode did you want to do? Uh, this is the episode that you had picked. Uh, and to sort of set it up, uh, you know, Billy, you know, feels probably more comfortable with Claire and, I don't know if it was an on-the-spot thing or if it's just something Billy always wanted to do, but he, he says he asks Claire if he if she could come back tomorrow because he has a project mm-hmm. for her. And it's one of these scenes where just simply, you know, Billy Billy is nude and he gives Claire a camera. And, you know, they go through this dialogue and it's sort of where we get, you know, the, the episode title, you know, the, uh, Someone mm-hmm. Else's Eyes. You know, Billy says that line, it's impossible to see yourself, you need someone else's eyes. We, as as the audience, could sort of feel the energy Claire has when she's, you know, doing all her, her photography. You know, we just see how intrigued she is by it. But you, in our messages, and if I'm revealing too much, you know, feel free to, to cut me short. You you said that you, you were you were really inspired by, by photography from this show and whatnot yeah uh i mean uh, i've been trying to get into photography for as long as i remember for maybe maybe 10 to 11 years and i've been on and off and uh, once in a while i would get a new like cheap compact camera and try to rub my head around the concept and the technical aspects of photography but uh, most of the time i would just find it a little bit intimidating and overwhelming and i just stop and uh, in 2000 and 14 before i started the show i i i got a new camera and for the first time it kind of clicked in my head what everything is and i just took it seriously and i like every everywhere i go whether uh, in kuwait my country or outside when traveling the camera is always with me so uh that was developing as i was uh uh just throughout the years from 2014 so when i was watching the show i it, it was at the time where i saw myself as a photographer um and i mean today i am i mean i do consider myself a photographer i'm um going to london next week uh to help my friend with a gaming event but i'm also visiting a printer that specializes in you know paper and printing and all of that so i'm a little bit deeper into that field now and it was really interesting for me to see how claire i mean you can i mean claire from the very beginning she can tell that she's an artist and she's really into art she's not really into the other stuff and uh with with photography um 
I like how I I even like how Billy introduces her to photography. Uh, because from the previous season, we know that Billy is an artist. He's a photographer, and uh, there was that episode where he was trying to. He was busy. His mind was busy trying to pick photos for a show, and uh, uh, Brenda had to cancel a trip with uh, Nate just to help Billy like uh, pick the best photos for his show. Um, so he is an established, or let's say, like an experienced photographer or an experienced artist. Where whereas Claire is still kind of she doesn't really know what to do with herself artistically. So I like when how when um, Billy gives her the camera, he just tell tells her, you know. This is your focus, and this is your zoom, and you know you'll just get a feel for it. And uh, she asks him like, "Okay, so what do I do exactly?" And he just tells her, "You know, go with your gut feeling, and whatever you think is is, is good." And uh, uh, of course, she she takes photos. Um, when he drops his robe, you can see that she she's kind of like, "Oh wow, this guy is really, you know, he's well shaped, and and he has a nice ass and everything." But when she like takes the photo to her, uh, the, the camera to her eye, and she like sh- she's composing photos and interesting uh, composition and angles and everything, you get a sense that she's actually really liking this, like liking this process. It's not it's not that she's just enjoying Billy being naked, but she's kind of into this photography thing, this camera. And uh, I mean, at the end of the episode, when he sends her the photos um i mean she is into billy right now uh, you can tell that she's really interested uh with him as a person uh, but at the end of the episode when she opens the photos and looks at them i felt that this is like this is where it clicks for her that you know this is an interesting thing and maybe 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 i want to try this and just because she's an artist and like all the artists that I know, like you know, illustrators and uh, musicians and everyone, usually you jump from one vocation to the other until you feel comfortable with something. And uh, I mean, for me, you know, I jumped from photography to graphic design to typography to uh, writing. And for a long while, I actually thought I was gonna be a writer until then i did my music thing and now i'm doing photography so it's very natural for an uh, artist or an artistic person or for someone who's interested in art to just jump around from one thing to the other so i love how the show really portrays that really well it just shows you know she's an artist and she she has that artistic uh, uh uh vision or artistic eye and she is now in this episode she's intrigued by uh photography and i thought this was a really important moment for her but yeah it's an interesting point that you said that claire has this vision or this creative gene or whatnot because uh like i said the past few episodes uh you know it's been sort of been building up if, if you remember her aunt sarah the past few episodes you know she's been she kind of like dug it up out of her and then now Billy's just kind of throwing her right into it. Uh, something that I haven't even thought of that you said was uh, he just gave her, uh, uh, he said, that's the zoom, that's the focus, and go ahead. And that's, I don't know, that's such like a, a raw way of throwing someone into that, you know? But it, it we get beautiful results from it, though, you know? It is because, I mean, the photos were really good. And the thing is, um, if, if I try to explain the concept of 
aperture and shutter speed and all of that to someone who has no idea how to take a photo it's going to confuse them so he just because he's he, he's an experienced photographer and he just wants her to take uh photos of him because just like he said i try to do self-portraits but they always turn out uh, you know basically kind of juvenile it's, it's contrived it's, yeah it's, it's not really that good so he wanted just like you said that the title of the episode he said you need someone else's eyes so he's clear to him is a tool so he just doesn't want to confuse her this is what you do and this is what you do and that's it so it's so simple but it's really well done yeah if we can move over uh to keith for a moment uh, again like i was saying with the, these mixed mixed messages uh, you know he goes on about david's been spending too much time there and david you know sort of takes the cue i'll go home and you know David not fighting or taking offense to it, you know, just sort of being the the, the good boyfriend here is, you know, fine, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the moment he decides to go, you see sort of Keith pull him back, uh, you know, and, and even even a scene later where Keith blows up about he just wants to be in a bad mood and David's like, you know, fine, let it all out. It's fine. And then, you know, Keith lets his guard down and do you want to have sex? It's like, yeah, let's do it on the floor. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. I don't know. I just sort of felt like Keith was throwing out bait to see if David could handle him, or or I, I don't know. It, weird, weird mixed messages, but just sort of throwing it out there. How are you going to handle this? Oh, you handle that good. All right, never mind. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really weird mixed messages, and uh, I mean, I think it's interesting the 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 the, the ways he he's getting around aroused and he, he he's doing sex in all these different positions and, and now he wants to do it on the floor um i think it's just i mean it, it shows a just a natural healthy sign of any relationship which most uh i think shows just just don't really show yeah yeah it just it, there's one thing too i want to go back on because i think i laughed out loud mm-hmm. and i think it was the first time about these mixed messages and their first thing it's just sort of ah oh man I, i'm drawing a blank here but it's something where David's Keith is like, you know, I, I don't have to be cared for all the time or whatever. Just go ahead, do whatever. And then David sort of leaves the room. But right before he leaves the room, he goes, you know, fine, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's just a great, you don't expect that from David because David's yeah. usually so timid and everything. But just the way he calls him bitch, it's like, yeah, there you go. Like, you know, I started like a fist pump. Like, yeah, David, you know, showing some teeth, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really like that moment. It just sort of popped into my head as we were talking. It is funny. And um, what I like is that <clears throat> Keith is usually... Uh, usually he's like the, the the bigger guy he's the he's the he's the man in this relationship so this is one of those really rare moments that he's just depressed and he's feeling down and i like when he says you know am i not allowed to feel shitty every now and then yeah, yeah. i just love this it's just so beautiful because this is how you feel sometimes sometimes it's just one of those awful days or awful string of days and you are just frustrated you just can't put a finger on what's going on you're just not you're just feeling shitty, just just like how uh, exactly, Keith exactly. Said. It's just really, really so well written. And there's another really funny moment here. And the, the last few episodes, we've been talking about the way Keith fantasizes about everything and the way David does. And if you remember, Keith's fantasy was just sort of David comes comes to his apartment in the rain and they sort of kiss and, and make out and everything. And David's fantasies are where like, 
you know, at the dinner table, Keith is saying prayers and he has this halo over him. Uh, and even in this episode, if you remember, David's sleeping and he has this dream that he's on a talk show. Mm-hmm. And the host is just kind of like, how do you guys do it? And David's like, well, you know, it's tough with the parties in Palm Springs and doing this. But, you know, we manage. And if you even notice his attire, the shirt he's wearing, he's wearing this like open, you know, top two buttons are out. And yeah. he's just this real comfortable guy on on a on this fake hypothetical TV show. Yeah, they're married. They're married. They have two kids, and they're expecting another. It's yeah. just, <laughs> it's amazing. It's like the, the the perfect life that 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 they 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 yeah. want to happen, but it's just still not there. <laughs> And Mohammed, I usually pair up all the scenes in the storylines, just sort of how we've been doing. You know, I, I kind of place everything all in one mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll, I'll jump over the episode, certain parts and go back to it. But kind of this episode, like this second part of the episode, I, I found it tough to do that. And there there's interesting jump cuts where a scene ends and it'll blend right into the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but from here, I'm going to kind of jump in and out of storylines mm-hmm. uh, because there's the scene here with Nate, uh, with the Garrison family. And the Garrison family is bickering over what to do with the body as they all fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a real great moment where, you know, Nate being finally, you know, the voice of reason, you know, he just goes, you know, everyone shut the fuck up. A man is dead. I love this so much. Yeah, you guys are fighting about something that's so inconsequential. Everyone shut up. Like, respect the man that's dead. Uh, before before we get into to, to what you thought of it, I just wanted to add as a funeral director here, right? The, uh, the pre-need contract that they're referring to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's everything. He had arranged everything, but it sounds like he, he had sort of left somewhat of a balance. Uh, yeah. uh, and again, you have to give the show liberties because it is a TV show and it's not meant to be 100% accurate on everything. Mm-hmm. But a major piece of information that's, that's left out is whether the contract is revocable or irrevocable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether someone can cancel it or they can't. Right. And most funeral home pre-need contracts are irrevocable so the funeral home here the fishers would have to follow through with the wishes despite whatever any of them all lawyers they want to throw at them you know that man had a contract with the funeral home doesn't matter which lawyers disney lawyers or whatever you know (laughs) um but just sort of to flip it if the contract was revocable and and unpaid the wife could have the freedom to do whatever she wanted Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why you kind of go back and say it definitely was irrevocable. Um, that's also, too, if they were legally married. That That's another huge thing that sometimes uh, muddies up these things. Mm-hmm. Nate lashing out and being the voice of reason. You, you love this scene. I love it just because it's the kind of thing that David will never, ever do. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great point. I never even thought about that. Yeah. And you can see that he's sitting there. He's uncomfortable he's usually really good at controlling these situations but like this is so out of his league and he's just not really you can that he's feeling awkward he's not even sure what to say and then Ned does the thing that i mean you would think as a professional you wouldn't do which is why david (laughs) is not doing anything at just (laughs) Ned. he just as always he just doesn't give a fuck he's just annoyed i like a guy is dead. A man is dead, and you're fighting over where he's gonna be buried. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, I mean, respect his <laughs> wishes, and they needed to hear that because I mean, they were just everyone was just so. I mean, I don't blame the wife, of 
course you i mean she lived six years with the with her husband and she loves him and everything mm-hmm. and you can see that the daughters are just really happy about the fact that you know they just hate her and they're just happy for that and they needed someone to just come and just just just, just scream at them and and grabs them back and ground them to reality and this is what they did and i just love this yeah it, it, there's two things here that i, I want to say one i like the line where nate says if you're going to fight and you're going to sue him and you're not going to respect his wishes, then you never really loved him. Yes. The second thing, too, is I also I, I didn't even think of to add as a funeral director. Like I have been in this position where you have people fighting and I'm kind of with David is I would just sit there and be uncomfortable. I would never yell out to a family I'm serving who, you know, their father, their their husband just died. I would never yell at them to tell them to shut the fuck up. Uh, usually what I like what I would do and I imagine other funeral directors would do the same where it's just kind of like I'm going to tell everyone here you guys are going to fight it out I'm going to go downstairs get a coffee I'll be back <laughs> in 10 minutes and when I come back we're going to have one plan you know yeah because it's not like it is it's great what Nate does and it is a TV show but that is I imagine there are funeral directors out there who have done something like this mm-hmm. but you're yelling at your customers <laughs> and your customers here are grieving people, you know. Uh, I guess it takes someone like Nate to do that where it is somewhat acceptable because we're sitting here and we love it. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you scale back from what he's doing, I mean, I, imagine you're at the store, you're buying something and you're fighting with you with whoever about it. And the, the guy at the, 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 the counter just tells you to shut the fuck up. You'd be like, yo, who the hell are you? I mean, doing what he did, you just risk a lot. And, and yeah. Especially if there was a man there, he would just have I don't know, hit him, beat him up or something. <laughs> um, but 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 it does tell you a lot about Nate's character. Yeah, and 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 sort of like I was saying, like the way everything jump cuts, because the the scene ends with it's not your decision. He kind of yells at the family and he gets up and leaves, and it cuts right to Carla's decision about getting help at the clinic. You know, which I, I found sort of clever. You know, mm-hmm. she's the, the scene cuts right to her sort of filling out her information and her and Keith do this thing where Carla's, you know, her daughter doesn't deserve and everything she's doing. But here we also kind of see that later on, she she's having Taylor giving her her urine, mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better term, to pass drug test. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's really horrible and sad. You know, and the poor girl is like, am I sick? And Carla gives it this whole thing about, no, I'm just making sure you're not sick and all this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me say this too. I mean, we're, we're in agreement that this is really awful what she's doing, right? Like, I don't think they're, they're yeah, we don't. Right. What I wanted to ask is and, and sort of discuss is when she's crying at the clinic and she just has this breakdown and, and Keith's like, everything's going to be all right. Is, is that is that her tricking Keith? Is she being sincere or is just or is this just like, the drug addicts sort of like, uh, I don't know what the word is. That's the, that's their disease where that's their addiction where they, they can, they can make it seem so believable. They want to get help. They're so sad of everything they've done. But you know, a few days later she's having her, her nine year old daughter pee for her so she could pass drug test. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, I do think that she, I mean, at that point, I mean, Keith really kind of forced her to go to a clinic. So when you're in a clinic 
and it's 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 really at the point where it's more of a life and death situation where if you don't get the treatment you're really risking your life and your well-being so you're just sitting and you're waiting and you're waiting in a room with a lot of other sick people and and i think i think this kind of i mean if you're any person you will just think about you and yourself and even what what she says to him like she she told him like what happened to me i mean i used to be able to live without all the sadness without you know never ha- having any hope and she blames herself and she says that she's a bad mother and uh you know she doesn't deserve this so i think this self reflecting nature is 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 natural when you're in this situation where you're kind of forced to not do anything all you're doing is just waiting in a clinic to go see a doctor about something that's <laughs> major in your life so i do think that she was truthful about it but then her devils kicked in again and and instead of doing her best to uh cleanse herself out of this um she just found a way to trick the system because to her it's much easier to do that than to confront uh, this and actually be out of drugs so uh i don't think that she was truthful but she had enough time to say you know what it's just it's just really much easier to just go back and default to doing drugs and I, and i would say that that's a drug addicts like that's the addiction mm-hmm. is it's so much easier to just keep doing drugs than to fight it, do the yes, hard thing, yes, you know? Yes, and, so. and, I, and I would say that's with really any addiction of any sort. Any addiction, just, yeah, yeah. And even if you're, like, dieting... Uh, I was just, I, that, that, that's exactly where my mind went. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to start a diet, you get all excited, you get up in the morning, and then you're like, oh, my God, it's so much easier just to, to eat something unhealthy that's quick and easy as opposed to anything healthy. Yeah. So. We could we could move to probably the the biggest plot twist of, of season two thus far, and like I said, uh, w- where the scenes cut and how they go, I think is important. But sort of here we 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 see that Nate is at a health food store and he runs into Lisa mm-hmm. from earlier earlier in our our season, and we find out Lisa has moved down to California, uh, you know, rather surprisingly, and her and Nate sort of catch up. Presumably at the same time, well, well the, the, the spoiler or whatever that is that Lisa's pregnant and mm-hmm. it's Nate. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Nate is finding out about the pregnancy with Lisa. Brenda is at an author's book reading. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the book's title was, you know, ironically called The Lie of Romance. Mm-hmm. Um, here, once he finds out about uh, her, uh, Lisa's pregnancy, you know, it sort of cuts to... Uh, Brenda and the author, I didn't get his name in my notes here, but they're having sex literally on, on the bathroom floor, mm-hmm. which is probably, you know, uh, uh, the dirtiest, most disgusting place you could have sex. You know, it's just interesting to see, like, here's Nate's huge life shocker. And at the same time, Brenda's also kind of having her own revelation because, you know, to, to, to jump a little bit ahead explodes Brenda's mind like she and now she's writing all the way she, she's talking with her her friend Melissa the escort and even Melissa the escorts like you know maybe you should go see a therapist mm-hmm. <laughs> but to, to jump back to, to Nate finding out about Lisa's pregnancy this is where I sort of tied in the death capsule where you know just the idea that your life could change at any moment you got to think at this point Nate was just kind of going on about his life he has his AVM he's thinking about marriage with, with Brenda 
And literally when he's in the produce section of the supermarket, he finds out he has a woman five months pregnant. The end of it, right? Where, where Nate, I don't know. I sort I was riding that ride with Nate where just at the end of it, just like, what the hell just happened? Exactly. You see, he sort of like steps back and like, you know, I was just here food shopping, getting my, you know, maybe some groceries for the weekend. <laughs> I have a child on the way, you know? Yeah. And, and you really do see that. Like he takes a step back and he leans and he just starts like, it took him by surprise. And the thing is, he like, he went through a lot these past few episodes he finally uh, opened up to claire he opened up to uh, uh brenda about avm and like if you see it from his point of view really big weight has been lifted from him that he was finally able to talk to brenda about this and now that they're you know planning uh, to get married like it felt like things are starting to kind of work out and then just like that, a bombshell is dropped, and and it just really shows you how weird and unpredictable life is. And something interesting happened is that um, she says something like, uh, "You know, something like, I don't want to go through this again. We we went through this before, and that yeah. made me think like, did like did they act like was she pregnant before? And they had this conversation, and like it didn't work out, and she had to I don't know." having a portion like something was going on between them back then like it wasn't just a clean cut of him just going back to from seattle and, and that's it like something was there so you just get the sense that there is some history there and this is why she didn't tell him about it because something happened before where she just doesn't trust him or think that he can handle it uh which is just weird it's just so weird like ev- everything that happens is just so weird yeah and, and to the point too it's like you know, this could have happened at any time, right? It just so happens in the beginning of the episode when Nate and Brenda are looking for a place to get married. A day or so later, whatever the show timeline is, you know, he also finds out he has another woman pregnant. <laughs> yeah. You know, just just the randomness of it all. It but here we see after this, you know, Nate Nate takes a ride on his motorcycle that was given to him in, in our, our prior episode. Mm. And we have Nathaniel uh, appear again. Uh, I liked here when they're they're at the same spot. I'm pretty sure where where they were looking in the beginning of the episode, but the way Nate's head is blocking the sun, mm-hmm. it's just it's just such a perfect shot. I don't know what to take away from it. I don't know what, like the symbolism or imagery of mm-hmm. imagery of it is, but just watching it visually, taking it in, I'm just so like amazed by it. You know, it is beautiful. What did you take away from Nathaniel being here? I mean, usually, I mean, we learn from the show that whenever you see uh, a dead character talking, it's just the subconscious of that person. So in here, it was just Nate being in this dilemma of like even just thinking, should I even tell Brenda about it? Like, what what do I do? Like, how do I approach this situation? Like, how do I, what do I do? Like, it's not even about how do I make it right, but what the fuck should I do now? It's just, (laughs) it's just. A situation where I can't even imagine being in. It's just so difficult and so shocking. It's, it's not even something that you're, you, you're anticipating. It's just all of a sudden you have this new development. And all of a sudden now I, I, I will have a child in a few months with this lady. But I'm, all, I'm also going to be married to this woman. So <laughs> it's just so, so weird. I keep I I keep repeating it's just so 
weird and unpredictable and this is i mean this is this is what life is it's just well that's that's what i was going to say is like you keep saying weird but like yeah like you already you said it before you you, you I, I had to say it for you is like yeah that's life like that mm-hmm. is life that is you know that is a guy walking down the street and he accidentally gets killed by a lunchbox mm-hmm. you know this is mm-hmm. that encounter you had comes back to whatever all of it like yeah that that's that's just life and again to the beginning of the episode and this is the second time we're repeating it where you know root says to claire the idea that life owes you anything like yeah this is life <laughs> yeah and uh, i do think that um like all of us i mean from our own perspective we are like we are the protagonist of our world we always think that we are the center of everything and so whenever something bad happens you kind of can't wrap your head around it because you know how is this happening like i'm I, I, I'm the hero of my life. How could something so bad happen to me? And this is what Ruth said, is that you're in for a lot of surprises because shit happens to people all the time. And right now, <laughs> this is what's going to happen to you. Right, right. It's just amazing. So like I was saying, uh, the that scene ended where, where Nate says, I don't want to die alone. And again, it's with these cut scenes. And again, I don't know if it's just I was paying super attention to it or mm-hmm. it was this director's way of doing it, but... The cut scene ends, Nate says, I don't want to die alone. And the next scene is, it cuts to Brenda saying how alive she felt when she's yes. talking to her friend about yeah. seeing, uh, you know, having sex with the guy in the bathroom. Once again, it just shows you how, I- I'm not saying this happens, of course, with uh, every relationship or anything, but it yeah. just shows you how, how unpredictable, not just relationships are, but even people are, and the way people perceive their relationships and the way they perceive their uh uh partner and it's 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 not really a, a straight cut situation where you know it's just i love that person and that person loves me and that's it it's it's a lot more involved than that and we already know that the the, the relationship between brenda and nate is really weird because sometimes i mean sometimes you look at them and you think there is a lot of tension there like have they really thought this through i mean o- obviously they they, I mean, it seems that they like each other, but at the same time, they just have a lot of fights and it's just so weird. So <laughs> do they really want each other? I mean, you don't really know just because relationships are really difficult to pin down. But even then, even then, it's just what Brenda is doing is way too extreme. I mean, to be in a relationship with someone, but just having sex with just about every guy you can think of. And it's just, uh, it was amazing to see that the escort was really weirded out by this and uh i think this was really well done because it just shows you how extreme brenda is going that i mean even the escort who has a lot of experience who i mean just because of the nature of her of her of her uh, work and she probably gets a lot of weird requests and all of that and she assumingly would would do them all so even this experienced person who knows everything there is to know about sex is just really weirded out but by what you're doing and it just puts things into perspective and how how crazy brenda is yeah yeah it, it's 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 hard to understand but it, like i don't know i'm all over the place when, when i try to try to think of it and yeah I, I guess i guess i guess everyone's interpretation is kind of what i take as opposed to like my own because mm-hmm. i'm sort of empty <laughs> on the brenda front um but like i was saying that melissa tells brenda to see the therapist and again like i was saying with the cutscenes, because now it cuts to nikolai and 
he's sort of talking about his childhood and how he used to, you know, clean toilets to, to gather enough money to start this business and everything. Mm-hmm. And sort of as the camera pans out, we see that Ru- Nikolai is not on a therapist couch or anything. He's on his bed and he's sort of talking to Ruth and Ruth's behind him. Um, again, I don't know if that, like, I, I'm assuming it's intentional. I just haven't seen that done like this mm-hmm. in Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. at least this particular episode. But, uh, Mohammed here, this, this, for this episode alone, the Nikolai storyline with Ruth, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think there was much there. You know, it's just Nikolai owes a bunch of money to these Russian figures, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it was, there was much interesting there. I don't know. Did you, at least to talk about, you know? No, I think it's, it's it just shows you how, I don't, I don't want to say irresponsible, but how, kind of childish he could be and the, the scene with the sandwiches and he ate two of them and now he's bored and he's just screaming and he wants people and he wants attention and he wants someone to be around him and um, I didn't get much out of that I mean Ruth said that she feels that the relationship is growing but from my perspective I, I don't know what she's seeing because it's just so it is it is so unclear what is going on between them right now and I mean, I I think Ruth is just such a sweet, sweet person that even if she's, she would do this anyway. She would care for Nikolai. I mean, that is who Ruth is. She is just a kind person who would do, uh, and I think this is how she sees herself, that, you know, she's the caregiver. She's the person who will take care of everything and who will make everything right. So from her perspective, it makes sense that she sees that the relationship is moving forward, whereas Ru- uh, is his Ruby his, his name? Robbie? Uh, Robbie, Robbie. Yeah. yeah. He tells her, like, well, he can't move and he can't do anything. And I, I think he's kind of implying that, well, you say that the relationship is going forward, but if your guy's not having sex or anything, like, what is going on exactly? And just, <laughs> she, she yeah. sees it differently. But um, I just like the scene with the... With, uh, Claire before that and just tells you a lot about how Claire just acts and thinks of everything uh, and the scene with uh, Rico yeah I just, I just mm-hmm. love I just love the awkwardness of that scene <laughs> of, of just two characters who don't really even know each other's and and you kind of see the resentment like it's just really simple human emotions someone is eating your lunch like that moment that you look forward to throughout the entire day someone is sharing that with you who you don't even really like so it's just yeah. just really simple beautiful <laughs> moments and and to end all of this uh jumping around and like i was saying at the start of the episode where, where brenda and nate are probably being the closest to honest they have been in their relationship uh the episode and well their 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 storyline in this episode ends where nate comes home after finding out lisa's pregnant and brenda mm-hmm. just had had sex with the author it's just so telling how like lifeless and generic their conversation is. Yeah. They're, they're both sitting there. They both have all of this on their mind. I mean, Brenda, Brenda, her like her mind, her creativity, everything is just sort of racing because she just had this experience with this guy in the bathroom and it's, you know, it's influenced and inspired her writing and she's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, she's glowing with creativity and whatnot. And you have Nate who just, you know, he walks in with his motorcycle helmet having just received the news you know mm-hmm. is a woman he know he slept with is five months pregnant mm-hmm. and their conversation it's so funny how a show does this where the most generic lifeless conversation like says so much exactly. you know brendan is like 
uh, how was your day? It was okay. Do you want anything to eat? I'll make you something. No, it's okay. And even, you know, Nate opens the book and he's like, oh, you know, this guy is like, yeah, well, that's nice. And that's really it. Yeah, but there's so much going on between the two of them, you know. Exactly. I, I just like how much it, it like uh, sort of juxtaposed the way the episode started with them. Yeah, absolutely. And it is so lifelike because how many times have have you had situations like this where you have a lot on your mind and whoever it is, maybe it's your mom or, you know, your, your partner or whoever it is where you have a lot on your mind, but, you know, just act like this. It's fine and... There's nothing to talk about. And there are, of course, a lot of moments uh, between people like this where uh, like, it, it's a comfortable silence. Like, you, you know, you're just sitting and yeah. j- j- just being yourself. And each e- each one of us is just busy uh, with just, I don't know, with just sitting, or just, just, just not doing yeah. anything. But there are yeah. also moments where they seemingly feel the same, but they're not. Like, every, everyone's just hiding a lot. And it's just really beautiful beautiful realistic uh acting and writing that just says so much in in in, in so little yeah yeah it, it, it's funny you say that it, it's sort of like it's sort of like that idea is like don't be scared when your partners don't be mad or scared when your partner gets mad at you for something you know be scared when they stop being mad at you for something yeah. and, and it's sort of like here it's like it's so it's pretty like for Nate it would be so alarming that they're having such uh, a conversation that really leads to nothing because usually it's always bickering between them. True. But here, their, their minds are just so occupied that it's just whatever words, sounds could come out of my mouth to just suffice you enough so I could sit here and think about this exactly. life life change that's going on in my head. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful writing. The the final mixed message from Keith, uh, you know, we sort of see uh, David bringing home stuff, bringing stuff to Keith that, uh, you know, if I'm going to stay here, I might as well bring some stuff. And Keith sort of goes into like investigation mode, like like this detective cop where, you know, he's just like, why are you bringing this? Oh, did, did, did we speak about this or whatever? And then David's like, listen, I won't I won't move in. You got me like, no, not a problem. And, you know, Keith just is like, nah, go ahead, move in. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he was teasing him and he wants like to see how far he could push david to admit that yes yes yeah i'm just i'm just coming here and i want to move in and even though this is what kind of david is 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 planning to do he just plays the independent role and says no 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 i'm fine i can just go back to my apartment like do you want me to go back to my apartment but he doesn't really (laughs) want that which is just really amazing and again like i said i guess it was just sort of keith keith's way of testing him about it it's just and again at this point even david is like does the term mixed messages says anything? Does that mean anything to you? Because yeah. you know, what is this? It's just an odd way of going about it. In whichever you know, I understand like yelling if one, you know, kind of like like we were saying about Keith earlier. I understand wanting to just fight about something just because you're having a shitty day and you're in a bad mood and everyone's pissing you off. Yeah. But he's not even in a bad mood here. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Go ahead, move in. <laughs> he he is teasing, and I think at this stage he knows what he's doing, and he knows that it's a little bit too much. But he's he's just enjoying it. Like he's he's he he knows that he's teasing it. He knows what David is thinking about, and he's just enjoying that. It's just so cute. And it, and I think it's the idea too that like Keith is sort of losing power in his life because you know he doesn't have Taylor anymore, and I think this is a way to have power over David. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just sort of like uh, he kind of sneaks his way into the power, and whatnot. But mm-hmm. it, it was fun. It was fun, and and you know, just just the way he kind of toys with them. And again, like I said, it just it's 
Nice, nice funny storyline and a well-written yep. storyline, yep. you know? Yeah. But to close out our episode, and, you know, we sort of touched on it a little bit that, you know, Claire comes somewhat to her senses, letting Nate know that he was right about Billy. Uh, another note I had funny here was that Claire had to leave the house because Billy started crying. And we had two episodes later that Brenda had to leave because her mother started crying. Mm-hmm. I thought there was two funny parallels there. But, you know, Claire's looking over the photos she took of Billy. And, like, I was so invested in this scene that when Claire's looking through the photos and you just, you see it on her face. Like, she's almost scared, but she's also really intrigued by yeah. the photos. Yeah. And I don't say I don't say scared in a bad way. I mean, like whoa, what is this brand new feeling that's entering into my life? Like yeah. this this idea of, of of Claire seeing the photos, like is that something that like every photographer sort of goes through? Just like viewing it, not knowing what you're feeling, but you know you're feeling something, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, everyone who goes into anything, they, you will always start uh, at the just beginning steps. You, 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 you just picking up the bases and you're trying to make sense of everything. So you'll always start as, you know, just rough and naturally very good. But you always have the taste. You always, I mean, your taste is what drives you into into being who you really want to be. You have an image of what you want to be. Like she wants to be an artist and she sees herself as an artist. And now after what her aunt told her, told her like she's convinced that she is an artist. So she might not understand everything or anything about photography, but she has the taste. So when she looks at the photos, they kind of move her because she doesn't understand photography, but she kind of likes what she's seeing. Like, uh, I mean, maybe it has to do with the camera itself. Maybe be simply Billy gave her a really good camera that like gives all that beautiful bouquet effect and all of that. But she's really not technical. She doesn't understand that. All she knows is that she likes the photos and it i i think at that moment especially it made her realize realize that maybe this is something i want to try and i like that i like that a lot it is the show that really taught me a lot about what being an artist is and what art is and that is truly amazing uh in a show that art is really not that central part of it this is not an art show this is not a show about art but like every subject that it talks about, it talks about in an extremely good way. And I love that so much. But yeah, uh, th- that ends our episode. Is there anything that we, we glossed over that uh, you wanted to, to go back and touch upon? No, no, I think that's perfect. I mean, the reason that I chose this episode, just like I said, is that it's, it's a, I think it's an important moment for Claire to realize that, you know, she she wants to be an artist. She doesn't know exactly what she wants to be, and she got that feeling that she could just try anything. And she felt that with photography. And I thought it was beautiful that uh, how the show slowly is slowly building her up as a young artist. She's young. She doesn't maybe she doesn't truly understand what she's doing, but she has a vision. She sees herself mm-hmm. as an artist, and this is. I think is a beautiful start for a lot of things to come. And it's interesting when, when we spoke about future episodes, there are other episodes you chose that you wanted to speak on because it's where Claire is further along her 
minor spoiler here, okay? Where Claire is further along her her artistic. I'll just say artistic career. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just just, just uh, artistic path. And uh, <laughs> um, I mean, there are certainly a lot of people. I mean, anyone like any 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 artist, whether whether you're a writer or, or you're a photographer, illustrator, anything. Um, uh, if you're watching the show, um, whether you like Claire or you don't like her you will see that everything about art just you connect with it so well so even though i love everything about the show and there are a lot of certain parts about it that i like but the 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 the, the art stuff is what really i find is so intriguing and intriguing and something that a lot of people might watch the entire show without really thinking much about it I, i'm sure a lot of people are thinking that all the scenes with claire and all the art like all the art conversations are just fluff, you know, are just there, like just sandwiched between important parts. But to me, it's just the meat of the show. Uh, so I hope to be able to um, just give more insight into that as someone who who is an artist and who does all of these things, being a photographer. And uh, I will say that what really, even though I started photography before six feet under and everything and i had an interest way way before that but what really solidified my feeling and my desire to chase photography out of everything else that i can do is clear and we will see that throughout the episodes and the upcoming seasons yep yep and and, and well said <laughs> uh mohammed people can find you on twitter at robokick yes and is there anything you have going on that you'd like to uh, plug here that people could check out or anything? We recently released the CD and the vinyl for the game Shovel Knight. Um, it's a beautiful game. It, it, it's just on about every console you can think of. PlayStation 4, uh, Nintendo Wii U, Nintendo 3DS, PC, and even on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful 8-bit game. Uh, similar to Mega Man, and uh, we as Brave Wave, we worked on two tracks for the game, uh, and we handled the CD and the vinyl production. And just like I said, we're work- We we released uh, Street Fighter Two, and right now we're working on Ninja Gaiden, the the NES trilogy plus the arcade game, which they really never had a proper soundtrack release. I think the last release was in the 80s back then. Um, wow. And you can find all of that and all of our original albums at store.bravewave.net. And uh, we also have a podcast. It's called Wavelength. If you're into game music, you can just check check that out at bravewave.net slash wavelength. And I'll have all these links in in the episode uh, yeah. in the episode description because I I am personally someone that is interested in that stuff. So I uh, my. <laughs> I sometimes I'll leave on this is so inside and not even necessary to share but the Mega Man 3 intro is one of my favorites it is amazing <laughs> and that in Dr. Dr. Wily stage one I think of Mega Man 2 this is an aside but uh, maybe we will link to this I did a long 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 interview with the composer of Mega Man 2 and you know if you're into, if you just know a little bit about games Mega Man 2 has one of the most famous and recognizable soundtracks and especially mm-hmm. the, the the stage that you mentioned dr wiley one yep. it's one of the 
most famous tracks that even people who don't play Mega Man, who never played a Mega Man game, know the track. And I did a long interview with the composer, and I asked him, "One, so when did you know that people like the soundtrack and like this track?" And he told me, "When I met you in 2013." Can you imagine that? <laughs> it is insane. I mean, it, it's kind of like having. I mean. Mega Man 2 is one of the best soundtracks of all time and Dr. Wily is one of the best tracks of all time, not not even just in gaming. And you have this musician who made these back in the days and he doesn't even know that he has no idea. people really love them that much. And it's just <laughs> it's just really heartbreaking and it just tells you a lot about the scene of the composers back then. But yeah, and one last thing I want to say is the last album that we released, it's an original album called... Uh, Lingua Franca. Um, it's by Dugo, and this album is the first time where I had my photography used in a professional way. Okay. Officially, uh, the the CD cover has my photo. It's edited by the uh, musician, uh, and the booklet has uh, seven of my photographs inside. And the thing is, even though Brave Wave is my label, I fought not to include any of my photos in anything because I am I didn't feel comfortable enough to 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 bring my photos from being just between me and myself to being used professionally and I, I talked with the musician a lot about hey just let me find a professional photographer with some really interesting work and I gave him a lot of suggestions and he kept turning them down and he kept telling me I am looking at your work on Instagram and I I want to go with you. I look at you as a collaborator, so I want to use your photos. So it was a really beautiful experience of having someone, having an artist push me out of my comfort zone, which is <laughs> pick your best ones, show them to me. We will pick everything together and we will go with it. So we will have a link for it. It's Lingua Franca. It's a beautiful album that uses, you know, just acoustic guitar and violin, all kind of uh, just beautiful instruments. And it's one of my favorite albums that we released. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely ex excited to hear that. And yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Mohammed, thank you for joining us. You could follow him on Twitter. Again, he's at RoboKick. Uh, I am on Twitter. I'm at Digging Podcast. You could find me on Facebook. I'm at Digging Six Feet Under. As always, I encourage if, if you agree or disagree with anything on the show, uh, send me an email. I'm at Digging Six Feet Under at gmail.com. And you could join me next week as we'll be discussing episode 10 of season two titled The Secret. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended. Mm -hmm.